This is Office Hours. I'm Ernest Wilkins. And I'm Alex Menokel. Alex, 4th of July weekend 2019 is upon us. Um, We want to make sure that we kick this episode off with a statement of value. The thing about Office Hours that I'm very proud of is that we try to maximize the value in every episode we do. Oh, yeah. We're all about delivering, you know, and, mm-hmm. and to that point, you know, we want to make sure our valued listeners walk away with value that they are going to value. Can you tell we've been doing new business pitches? Oh, um, yes. We're about delivering value. We deliver to extreme. Our extreme. <laughs> we, we deliver. We deliver. Uh, so right. what are we going to be get offering here today? today what, what, is, what is on offer? Free. Today. Free. All supplies last. For the, for for the low, low price of free 99 today's Office Hours podcast will be a couple of recommendations for our listening base. We love you. We appreciate you. Um, whoever is listening to this podcast in Australia, you have listened to the, every single episode of this, and I don't know who you are, but I love you, and I appreciate you. I've never been to Australia. Maybe we should pull up and do an Office hour. I, I love Australians. They are yeah. great people as far as I can tell. I partied with some Australians, and let me just tell you, it's a good time. It is always a good time. Yeah. And, and you know, they've got those really great accents, good worldview. I, I, most Australians that I've met obviously have been well-traveled because they have been here, yeah. not in Australia, yeah. um, and just have a really interesting perspective on things. Yeah, I would say so. Also, like, as an African-American, my interactions with Australians are always very positive to the point where, like, I get nervous about it. I'm like, why are you being so nice? But- it's always just, hey, what's up? You know, I, I, that's a really, I wasn't even going to make the impression. And you get in trouble if they catch you not drinking. No, that's for real, that though. That is, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I tried to do, because I'm a one-on, one-off kind of guy. You know, you have a drink, have a water. Have a drink, have a water. You try to maintain the process for as long as possible because sure. I no longer have, it's like a veteran NBA player. I no longer have the stamina to go, I, I can't get you for 32, but I got you a hot 14 minutes of Solid action. Got to rest your liver with a LaCroix or, or whatever. Other, other fizzy water, store throw, brand fizzy water. Right. Or throw some bitters in there, you know, get yourself right. Um, but that's not something the Australians that I drank with were about at all. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And, you know, they love to talk. Good raconteurs, mm-hmm. uh, good out. jokers. This has just turned into a recommendation. Well, we recommend running into an Australian <laughs> at, at a, a hotel bar. Yes. Uh, or Rossi's. Rossi's Liquors in Chicago, Illinois. Um, I would recommend walking in and just sitting. I've, I've said this <laughs> on previous podcasts, but what happens is you get a real micro microcosm of the city because there's people who are in town for, you know, call it a work um, leadership conference or something like that. And all of these different classes and races and ideologies all come into one place and get served really, really, really cheap drinks. I mean, that's a. When are we going to do a remote episode from Rossi? That will be probably the last episode of Office <laughs> Hours because I don't th- like. I don't think the FCC is like monitoring podcasts, but if they are, we would get canceled. Like they'd be like, uh, we get fined off that. We got the like explicit warning, right? Isn't that all you <laughs> yeah. need? Like, what is Tipper Gore still around? Uh, is hey, she gonna? Hey. Is she gonna sticker us? Look, 
I saw what they did to Two Live Crew, man. I ain't taking no chances. I bet you've heard of Two Live Crew. <laughs> I have heard right? of Two Live Crew. That's right. I mean, what if we are the Two Live Crew of <laughs> podcasting? <laughs> right? I don't think that's accurate because if we were, we would have had way, 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 way more nudity on this I, podcast. I am right just now. thinking of what our cover photo would look like uh, if we wanted to go for that. <laughs> as bad as I want to be. Yeah. I feel it's like a classic. I feel like classic. our wives wouldn't be down. I, do they have to know everything? <laughs> yeah. Do they? Do they? I mean, okay. I, I, like, I don't know. Is your wife one of our listeners? Yeah. Hi. What's you're up, baby? Hey there. What's up, baby? Of course she is. I don't think my wife is. Oh. She, I think her dad listens. Oh, shout out to. Okay, shout out hey, to your father-in-law. What's hey, up, father-in-law? I. You know what? Is he a, what's What's his like grandpa name? Is he a, Abu? He a, Abu. Nice. And you know that he did not choose that. That was chosen for him by his grandson. I love and it. There's a. a a Dutch heritage there, and the Dutch, uh, like the Germans and the Hungarians, use uh, Oma and Opa okay. as their grandparent names. So I didn't that's know that what was they, Dutch. Okay, that's that, interesting. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's many languages use that, yeah. but um, that's what was kind of in the air. And then uh, his little grandson just started calling him Abu, mm-hmm. and it's stuck, and it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Abu, I like that. Shout out to Abu. It's cute, my man. I Thank like you Abu. for you know being the foundation. Um. Our, our middle, our central Illinois listeners. Yeah, for real. We're, Thank you. This this podcast is powered on the strength of the Midwest. We're like a car company in 86. We're coming back, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're the K-car. We're the Chrysler K-car. <laughs> oh, wow. What are you? We, yeah. A lot of metaphors flying around this podcast. That's, that's because the recommendations we have are for folks who are going to be, maybe you're going to be stuck in the house. Maybe it's going to be raining, unfortunately, and you can't be outside. Maybe it's going to be... You know, you actually have to somehow work on the 4th of July. Maybe you're, I don't know, doing a fireworks display and you got to have an occupied time. Maybe you're going to be in the grill. You're just saying to yourself, you know, I'd love to listen to um, Cool in the Gang, but, you know, I'd rather hear two people I've never met before talk. Ernest in the Gang. That... (laughs) I I wouldn't listen to that, frankly, and I'm Ernest. Um, But... So the whole point of this is to share some recommendations on some things that are, you know, we think are interesting, but also just deliver the most value for the least amount of effort. Because let's be real. It's it's a short week here. Yeah. And and it's hard to get guests in. It's also like summer Fridays are a thing. You know, it's, it's always debilitating when your friend who works in like advertising sends you, you know, the, hey, what are y'all doing at like 145 and you're just sitting there just sweating. Yeah, I mean, in advertising, having worked in that business, I can tell you there is a strong sense of birthright to the week between Christmas and New Year's, for example. Yeah. Nobody lifts a finger. Nothing. Uh, summer Fridays, yeah. all holiday weeks are basically nothing happens. Yeah. Uh, so. I think building that into your planning when you work with large brands actually will decrease your stress. If you know for a fact coming up in two weeks, it's like a blackout week and we know that nothing is going to take place, you probably can plan ahead. Oh, yeah. This is why I'm suspicious when, you know, we get a we get a request for proposals, you yeah. know, that this has is a bonus. A, this has, is a bonus. This is a bonus request at this point. Just so you know, just so you know, if p- potential clients who are out there, you are telling us something about the way you operate. If you make the due date, I don't know. December 24th. The 3rd of July. Yeah, exactly. Right. So yeah. just the, that is that is conveying something very important to us. I always say it like this. If you were on the other side of this transaction, would you want to have this deliverable date? Yeah. Right. 
And some people, yeah, I, I work all day, every day. I don't care about my family. <laughs> hey, congrats on that, Yosemite Sam. But we meanwhile, need, over here, <laughs> we need the economy. Let's be clear: the economy and the world needs people who love their jobs that much. I'm not one of them. Yeah, I, more I power to you, man. God bless. Boundaries. Um. So okay. So first recommendation for my end, and this is again maximum value, minimal effort. This is something that you can pick up and knock out over this coming weekend this is something you can theoretically you know get done in a commute um consisting of 45 minutes or less um all of these things are actionable as of the second you hear these words so get on it because we want you to be happy that's the whole point of doing this podcast and and backstage uh immediately before taping we arm wrestled to see who went first yeah. so this is why you're hearing Ernest go first year yeah. and this is also why my arm is in a sling yeah <laughs> To be fair, it is a nice looking bandage. Ah, is that Snoopy? Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get everyone in the office to sign this. Yeah, you should have, have them say, like, have a kick ass summer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so first recommendation comes to us from overseas, uh, like most great things. Um, so, just kidding. Uh, basically, this is a collection of magazines that are kind of sitting at the intersection of business and culture. Um, one of them, they've all been around for a long time. Um, the oldest, I think, that I'm aware of, I'm sure there's more, but uh, Popeye Magazine is the one. And basically their whole thing is like men's fashion, but American men <laughs> um, or just men all over the world who are looking really cool, who are could be, you know, they, they show a wide variety of like people, like garbage men and you know, there's specialized editions where they focus on specific style. I'm actually holding the July copy of Hail Mary magazine. Uh, shout out to Reckless Yokohama. It's a bookstore in Yokohama, Japan that laces your boy with the finest of Japanese magazines and periodicals. Um, so shout out to y'all. Um, but basically, that's also a free promo. Uh, but basically, this is this month's issue is the American high value products. Now, what I would say is, you know, you're interested in this kind of thing. This is something I think where if you're a designer, you work in, you know, magazine design, print design, any sort of web design format, you work in culture, you work in fashion, you work in branding, any sort of cultural identity stuff, get yourself some of these magazines. Spend about, it'll cost you, I'd say, invest about 60 bucks into it. Say like 60 bucks, that's going to be your research and development budget. Some people actually have brand money for this, and God bless you if you do. We don't. <laughs> so what I do is I'll take that 60 bucks and I'll put that research towards something I want to learn about that can benefit my business or benefit a thing I'm working on or a project. And so the 60 buck budget is actually the recommendation, but the magazines are also just dope, so I want you to check those out. But basically take that 60 bucks and say to yourself, okay, cool, I'm going to use this to learn something I don't know how to do. Uh, and so what I'll do is, for example, I'm learning how to sell things on Instagram, right? Hmm. I don't know how to do it. I mean, there's tutorials, but you still, there's no experience other than just actually doing it yourself. And so I'm working on a random Instagram of vintage clothing, specifically sportswear. And so I'm going to be working over that for the next couple of months. But what I did was took the 60 bucks last month that I have for research and development and I bought a bunch of really crazy vintage old sportswear hmm. for various teams. But the whole point of it is I'm going to sell those things, but I'm going to teach myself how to do it. So Japanese magazines were this month. So July being this month coming, um, I was like, okay, cool. I want to learn about 
design. I want to learn about layouts, but also I want to learn more about how American culture is viewed because I think it's a really interesting way to learn about markets, but also what's trending, why it's trending, all that stuff, right? So I bought a bunch of magazines. I took that 60 bucks worth, bought a couple of magazines. I got a couple of them here recently, and that's my 60 bucks for the month. But now I'm going to go through these and something will come from them that hopefully we'll be able to use in a future issue. Like I already know, the editor-in-chief of Popeye magazine, the most recent one, I think he left last year. Um, I forget his name, unfortunately, but he now is running collaborations at Uniqlo, hmm. right? So this guy who was an editor at a publication about style, basically like Popeye's like thing is the magazine for city boys. Which which you are one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a real hot girl summer. Um, But basically, I just that little connection. So now, you know, the person who is, you know, the person responsible for some of these really crazy unique low collabs that have been really permeating the market and, you know, giving people who are necessarily at a different price point access to high quality, quote unquote, fashion or, you know, high quality fashion design, at least. So that to me is a, a good way to learn more about the world around you. And it's something that, you don't like, I know some people aren't like school focused people. Like I'm not a good school learner, but using the money as experimentation and a way to develop, you know, things in your head or to further out ideas by, you know, applying a different context to it always seems to work out for me. So that's awesome. my first one. That's a great recommendation. So Hail Mary Magazine. Hail Mary Magazine, Popeye Magazine are the two I would start with if you haven't ever looked at any of these. Um, my guidance on just diving into this, because I was like, okay, at 60 bucks, I want to learn about American culture from outside of America. Mm-hmm. And so originally I was like, okay, maybe I'll get a subscription to, I don't know, a news service or something like that, or, you know, figure out how to use a VPN and get, you know, different news. Okay, cool. No, because news is this. Okay, I want to learn culture, but I want to learn culture from people who are looking at American culture. Mm -hmm. So that led me to Japan. Cool. And there's a bunch of Twitter searching, a bunch of Reddit. Um, There's this book series called All Gone that's like so crazy because for the last, I'd say, decade, they've been basically encapsulating streetwear. So like street culture, mm-hmm. I guess. And but it's taken from this weird like it's like anthropological sometimes, which I think is kinda scary. Um, but I also think that people who are in these positions who, you know, are making these wide scale decisions to hire somebody at a fashion house or to invest in a brand or sub brand or whatever, they're looking at this stuff that way. So I feel like it's a business opportunity for me to look at it that way. Fantastic. And if somebody wants to go out and pick up or look at a copy where would they so be able i would to say find? you should start at ebay is a good place to start um literally just type in popeye magazine um the google will get you their site in japanese use google translate to translate the site um it's hard to get these <laughs> it took me a bit to get them but i think it's secondary market like an ebay is a, a way easier way to do it um if you have cash like that you can definitely sign up to subscribe for it you just have to pay that shipping mm-hmm. which is i think it's like it's like 125 bucks a year or something like that, which, I mean, if you subscribe or read Monocle, I mean, that pretty much is the same price. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a little too high for magazines for me. So I think just the 60 bucks, get a, you know, get a couple, get the gist. And then if there is further inspiration to be had, I now know where to go. Awesome. Great yeah. recommendation. Thanks, man. Um, what you got? I have a follow-up. Last week, we talked to Big Homie Doe a little bit, and in our recommendation segment, I talked about doing something every day. Right. Um, 
just doing the the process of going through the New York Times crossword puzzle at the end of a year I was like I'm much better than I was when I started this right. is cool so that made me uh, maybe think a little bit about what I like what is something I could do every day and grow a little bit in uh, what what would I approach and I right around that that time um, I heard Sal Khan uh, the founder of Khan Academy talk on Preet Bharaha's mm-hmm. uh, great podcast called Stay Tuned with Preet. Um, and it made me think about like that math is something that I have in, I've been bad at historically. Same, I, same, terrible same, at same. it in high school. Never viewed it as there were a couple things behind that. One, one thing I was going to go to art school and do art stuff or whatever um, and never thought of math as being part of my future. Uh, just so it didn't in my head feel necessary. Mm-hmm. I feel like I missed some foundational elements there. There were a couple sections of math, like geometry. Yeah. I loved. It's fantastically fun. And then there was a lot of stuff like algebra, stats, probability that it was just like this yeah. is lame. And uh, you know, there were there was a uh you know how it is in high school where there are the AP kids and there are the Yeah. not AP kids and yeah. it was like okay, they're they're over there doing that calculus or trigonometry stuff. I have yeah. no idea even what that is. And that's fine. That's that's a their thing. So right. n- meanwhile, flash forward to a number of years after high school and I have this gigantic blank spot in my worldview where I just think of math as this mysterious thing. It has it, it ultimately caused me to, you know, hurt my relationship with money mm-hmm. probably oh, yeah. to some degree. It's uh, a direct correlation. It, it has made me less good at frankly, doing my job, like statistics and probability are really important in what I do in advertising and marketing. Oh, yeah. Digital strategist. For sure. Um, and so it just made me think, what if I just decided to get good at math? So I went to ConAcademy.org, mm-hmm. fantastic website. Yeah. It's free. They take donations, but it's a wonderful service. And you can build a curriculum for them for yourself. Yeah. And track your progress. Uh, and it is... I mean, it's frankly, it's for high schoolers or for kids, uh, but anybody can do it. Right. And the system of rewards that's built in is it's it it gets you through. Right. So this so, is a very important thing because I think you're talking about a concept that gets swept under the rug a lot, and I think it's the concept of continuous learning. Oh yeah. Right. I I know people. I've been people in this context that are too proud to admit they don't know stuff, right? And so I'm always shocked because, you know, people are always like, this is the best time in the world to learn anything you want to do. And to an extent that is true, but I also think there's a resistance of seeking knowledge that some people, specifically, I don't know if it's a class thing, but it feels like it's a class thing, where it's like, oh, I'm making an attempt to better myself, and people look at that disdainfully. Again, I've seen it. I've had situations where I know people and it's not blaming those people like their societal effects. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's frustrating to me because I know so many people who if they took the time to admit that they want to learn stuff or they they don't know everything or they, you know, if you don't feel comfortable asking for help, like understanding resources exist and you can learn on your own time. You don't have to tell anybody. You can yeah. just pull up one day with the knowledge and look cool. Like it's up to you. But don't be scared to learn, especially after 30, because again, cultural fossilization is a thing. Well, and and there are new ways to learn, yep. right? And if you've got kids, they're going to be learning in a different way than you learned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's even if you did take trigonometry, yeah. AP calculus in high school or even in college, maybe it's like you 
there are still blind spots for you. So, I mean, I, I guess yeah. the recommendation is number one, recognizing blind spots yep. or, or or your own fossil fo- right. areas of fossilization. Yes. And, and number two, being like honest with yourself. Be honest like with a, yourself. Because listen, people, you ain't got to be honest with me. Just be honest with yourself. Oh, yeah. If you don't know how to do something. And, and this is something it took me until probably a couple of years ago to realize. If you don't know how to do something and someone makes fun of you for that. They're stupid, like straight up. Like that's that's it. It's it's a very easy sum. There's a there's a math problem for you. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm very I'm very frustrated at how much time I spent worrying about the possibility that somebody might realize I don't know what I'm doing because the higher you go and the more you accomplish, nobody knows what they're doing. Oh yeah, oh right? yeah. It's the Peter Principle in that, effect. Yeah, yeah, for right. sure, for right. sure. I actually didn't know. I just learned about that actually a second ago. Okay. Here's my next one. All right. What do you got? All right. So I've mentioned this book in the past, but I actually, you know how you read a book the first time, you don't really pay attention to it yes. um, until the second time, especially if it's stuff that has like applicable things that you can do in real time. Like a, you're talking about like a how-to or like Something a like nonfiction even, yeah, book? Anything, nonfiction, I would say probably is the better umbrella. So I've talked about this book in the past, but I still want to maintain that if you, the second you hear these words, I want you to go to a place that sells this book, type it into whatever search engine you prefer. If you're a Lycos person or an Ask Jeeves person, um, the book is called Creative Strategy and the Business of Design. Alex, if I have my way, this man, Professor Douglas Davis, will be a guest on Office Hours before this year is over because he wrote legitimately the book that I would say every creative, like I'm giving this to people for Christmas. Um but basically the gist is the business skills every creative needs remaining relevant as a creative professional takes more than creativity. You need to understand the language of business. Yup. It's a hundred percent true. I mean, yeah. I think people don't understand how creativity and business work together. I've read the, I think first two chapters yeah, of yeah. this book and I, I totally agree with you. And, and so basically it, it uses the context of design, but I think that's something that's applicable. Like I'm again, if you work in clothes, Joe Fresh Goods, I'm talking to you. If you work in clothes, Fat Tiger Works, I'm talking to you. I'm going to get you this book for Christmas because I genuinely think you will make more money. All right. But basically, creative strategy in the business of design fills that void and teaches left brain business skills to right brain creative thinkers. This is the cheat code. Doug Davis, fantastic man. He actually is, I think he is a professor at the City College in Brooklyn, but he does all of this great work because he's come from the side of, okay, I don't know the technical language, but I know what I like and I know what it's supposed to look like. And he's, he's a creative who went to business yeah, school, right? Exactly. Yeah. Which is and, and now teaches this to the next generation of kids. And so for this point, like the book legitimately was the first time I read the first time. I was like, wow, this is good. Dang. But I didn't apply it. And then I came back and started applying some of this stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, this book is one of the best books I've ever read because the worst feeling in the world is when you have a creative concept, but you lack the ability to articulate that concept either, you know, via word or via visual metaphor. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of smart people walking around who have great ideas, but don't know how to turn those ideas into data that you can visualize or into a concept that can be easily like the idea of like an elevator pitch or, or talking about the value proposition. Why, yeah. why do you think What's it's valuable? Me, right. Um, the language and there's so much stuff in here. There's so much stuff. Like 
I low key was like, I will teach this class. Like whatever you need me to do, like give me the the curriculum. I will pull up and just talk to kids with this because I genuinely believe that there are so many opportunities in the space, but those opportunities are not accessed because there's a there's a literally a vocabulary gap. Right. And creativity is a kind of problem solving. Right. Yeah. And this is a different point of view on how you approach that problem. Yeah. And it also just like it legitimately serves as kind of a, di- a dictionary, but it's like the concept of a metric, the concept of a sales funnel, the concept <laughs> of a positioning statement, the concept of scenario analysis, brand activations, stra- strategy framework. Right. As, as right? a strategist, I'm, I'm telling you, that if, if all the creatives ever read this book, it would be a, a, a fantastic day. Yeah, because your job gets easier. And also, this is a win for everybody working in strategy and those those marketing roles and brand and culture marketing who sit there and you're frustrated because the conversations you're having aren't producing the work you want. This is a solution to the problem. I think people who are working on the brand side need to read this, too, because guess what? It'll probably help you get your ideas across cleaner and Less that means less revisions and that sell, less, sell yes, them better. Yeah, sell them better because guess what? If you can speak this language and then take that upstairs, you know, going in that secret part of the sentence. Have you heard of this concept? The secret part of the sentence, every business has a secret part of, a, of the sentence that they don't say out loud. Right? Oh, sure. And so, when you're in a situation like negotiation, right? The secret part of the sentence is by doing this, the company will make more money. That's the secret part of the sentence. Mm-hmm. And if you can say that without saying it, or you can straight up say, you know, by doing whatever your idea is, the company will make more money. You'll get your shit done, basically, yeah. <laughs> is the extent of it. And that's something that's really important to me. And it's something that I really want more creatives and not just like marginalized creatives. Like there's a lot of people who just don't know how to do this. And I think people will do better once mm-hmm. they learn how. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that, just frankly, understanding business strategy. I promise. And plus, then you don't have that awkward feeling, feeling like it's like imposter syndrome kind of gets solved a little bit because okay. you know what you're talking about now yeah. versus just reading some stuff because you saw somebody say it in a magazine, like all that. Well, and it's kind of just a cop out to say like, oh, I'm I'm a creative. I don't look at yeah, Excel. I don't I'm look so, at Microsoft Excel. It's just like uh, you got to know. I don't look at paperwork. I don't right. look at business. Well, it they, will I'm, make your work better to understand the why the work you're doing yeah. is, helps your client. Or also, business. I can tell you from very, very serious ex- like experience, if you can read a balance sheet, you probably won't get finessed because oh, yeah. you'll be able to understand, oh, yeah. hey, I actually don't have as much money as I thought I did. Hey, where is my money? Hey, why right. don't I have the cash that I used to have to do X? And right. you solve yourself a lot of headache and you don't allow yourself to get taken advantage of. Brilliant. I love it. So, yeah. Um, Professor, Professor Davis... Uh, Doug Davis, uh, Creative Strategy in the Business of Design. I am coming for you, pal. We're going to have you on the podcast. Oh, I can't wait. All right. All right. So, Alex, what's your next one? All right. Recommendation number two is rap music. <laughs> I <laughs> highly recommend it. I, I Same, actually. Yeah. Recommendation number two is this. I, I've been uh, working with Ernest on this podcast for a little while now, mm-hmm. and it has opened my eyes and ears to a lot of what's going on in the Chicago uh, 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 rap scene yeah. uh, that as you know even though I live here a lot of obviously stuff is yeah. happening that is totally uh, there's all kinds of blind spots man bl- yeah exactly so um, and it made me think about like why why is my musical taste the way it is why are there such gaps and made me think about 
the same way I'd like for reading books. Mm -hmm. I I looked at my shelf one year and was like, this is all white men. I have to do something about this. So I, for every book by a man, I read at least one book by a woman. Let's go. And, and so like, why not do the same thing for music and actually think about, uh, hard what it is I'm listening to and why Mm -hmm. and find different ways in. Um, so one of those ways in for me is, is, literally making playlists based on the stuff that you and, oh, and guests talk about. Yeah. Um, oh, man, and who we run into on the street for crying out yeah. loud. Yeah. should actually, <laughs> one of my recommendations should be just walking around Chicago with Ernest. <laughs> <laughs> literally. We but, ran uh, into, uh, we ran into, we went off, we was going to get coffee before the show. We ran into Kwaku Collins. Shout out to Kwaku. Shout out to Closed Sessions. I know we got to get y'all on here. Um, I'm really excited. This is, uh, thank you for that, but, <laughs> This is the whole point, man. You're actively, yeah. you saw something that was a blind spot and you were like, you know what? Let me fix this. And now your life is better for it. My life is definitely better. And and finding ways in is interesting. I think that uh, the way that I use music now is different than the way it was, for example, when I was, when I was younger. It was, yeah, it, sure. I used music as this is something I do. I will sit and listen mm-hmm. to a tape and that is what I'm doing. Right. Or I, I will put on music while I'm drawing and that is... It allows me to focus mm-hmm. different parts of my brain on different things. I don't use music that way anymore, right? right? I have to be more directed about it. And also that the fossilization takes effect. And oh, the, yeah. the music you listened to when you were 12 yep. is largely the, the music, same music. Yeah. And so looking back, it's like, where where was I when rap was happening? What was I, what was I doing? Even yeah. I, And I remember going to a middle school dance, okay. right? Where it was like, okay, you've got classic chestnuts you got like do the locomotion hits right you've got stand by rem and then what comes on wait stand is a classic dude really oh yeah so that's just a cultural thing because i mean nobody was cranking rem like that man oh yeah i mean that's crazy but this is right when it came it was like a college radio thing and and rem was right it was cool for a yeah, uh, but I remember when uh, at that at a dance, uh, it takes two came on, right? Okay, and I'm like, and this is the first rap I ever heard in the my first life. rap song you ever. That's and like, I'm like, I mean, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. People are into this, like, because mm-hmm. people at the dance, yeah. other kids were into it, and I was like, well, it's part song, and this other stuff. Yeah. I have no, I couldn't like, I couldn't fathom that that was like part of like the rapping part of the song was part of the song. I yeah. was like. Okay, it's got the song part, and then yeah, and I was like, oh, all right, this is a thing. So this and is, I just uh, missed. I literally just missed, missed the like well, the whole '90s hip hop thing happened. I you know, I it's not like I didn't listen to it at all, but I I just never got into it in the way that a lot of my contemporaries. There's do. an old stereotype that white people hear the chorus, black people hear the song. That's well, I that's not. Ju- I, I think that. That is very very true for certain ways of like yeah. radio to- yeah. songs, like like. People think that uh, like "Dirty Work" by Steely Dan mm-hmm. is just chorus, yeah. Or like half of the Rolling Stones songs, you just hear the chorus yeah. because if you just hear that song as background music, you will, and the chorus yeah. is the only thing that repeats. That's the only thing you'll hear. I mean, there's lots of stereotypes about listening to music. There's that's also pe- there's people who can hear a song once and then repeat back the lyrics, and there's people who can hear a song once and tell you everything about the artist who yeah. performed it. Yeah. But like, very rarely are those two people the same people. That's true. Um, and I'm, uh, so I'm looking for ways to to re like experience a new that's great rap music oh so it makes me so happy okay. one of the one of the and and so my recommendation yes. uh, aside from walking around the city or doing a podcast with Ernest, <laughs> these, these are both these are both excellent things to do but Thank one you. thing i found is uh, a video series uh, or a video from vox called 
rapping deconstructed. Yes. Where they actually So they put uh, up some, uh, you know, rap lyrics, mm-hmm. the, the sheet music of the lyrics, and break down right. where the rhymes are falling in the meter, Yeah, which is fascinating to me. So you're looking and, at it from a technical aspect. Well, I'm just looking at it like I'm just looking for ways in, you yeah. know. Um, oh, totally. And, and so it made it made me really think about the the different ways you can structure rhymes, mm-hmm. you know, and how this isn't different from traditional songwriting. It's a maybe d- different delivery method and a different, uh, you know, cultural place yep. um, uh, that it's coming from. But it's it's very very in tune with. I mean. English literature, poetry, and music, mm-hmm. you know? So that's very cool to me. So the recommendation, it, it, macro scale is rap music. Micro scale is the Vox video called Rapping Deconstructed. Love it. Yes, that makes me so happy, man, because <laughs> the whole point of this, the whole point, yes, we're talking business behind culture, but in order to do that, you have to understand the culture that takes place in the first place. Sure. Yep. And the fact that you did this due diligence, I genuinely think, A, will make your life better. B, makes me really happy. And C, you're just going to have an advantage over everybody else now. Yes. Because, like, seriously, it's a, it's the, I, I, I have, since I was, like, 14 years old, I've never understood it. I'm like, so you're telling me that there's an entire thing over there. And if I know more about that thing, I will do better in life. Oh, yeah. Why wouldn't you do it? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't I'll know. I'll never understand I it. I will never understand I mean, it, I, and it's fine. For, I mean, there's tons of stuff out there that I'm yeah. just, like, not but interested in. But I'm forever in, curious. You know? Like, I, I mean, my parents will tell you, like, I will ask, and that's the whole reason I even think I just, like, moonwalked into journalism was just I asked too many damn <laughs> questions. And I had to learn to, like, to stop asking questions because somebody's going to, like, jump you one day if you ask too many questions. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh, All right. So, so what's your uh, right. what's your... My final recommendation for this very special 4th of July weekend uh, edition of Office Hours podcast is Stevie Wonder. Whoa. Okay. I want to be very clear right now that I am not speaking to anyone who is over the age of 31 years old. Okay, if you so are over zero, the age. Zero to 30. This, zero to 30. If you are over the age of 31, I don't, this ain't for you. You can log off. We'll play the song of the week. <laughs> Stevie Wonder. So where, you, where, do, where do you start? With you start Stevie? with the genius period. Okay. And so let me be very specific here because I know that some person with an opinion will be like, well, actually, Stevie Wonder. Anyway, um, so Stevie Wonder's genius period is a run of albums that were all released within a very short window of time. And so that window of time, I think it's like, like 72, depending on who you talk to, like the, the technical genius period, I think is intervisions fulfilling this first finale and songs in the key of life. But I think the run actually starts at talking book in 1972 and ends at hotter in July in 1980. But for that period of time, Stevie wonder put out, Six albums. Classics, all. And every single one of them is a winner. Oh, yeah. Like, every single one of them. He didn't miss. Like, think about it. Think about that in any sense of measurement. If you did something great for a year straight, people would be like, wow, what an icon. What an, what an innovator. You were for two years straight. Oh, my God. What did the streak? Three years. Now you're three-peating. Like, six straight. 
That's every Bulls championship in six straight years. I would be dead. Oh, yeah. The year that Paul Simon won his Grammy, he thanked Stevie Wonder for not putting out an album that year. Yeah. yeah. And like, so, <laughs> and I say this for the folks who are younger, I'm willing to bet that unless your parents were about that life, you haven't heard all six of these albums. But I believe firmly you will be a better person after listening to all six of these albums than you were before you started. And talk about Stevie Wonder as an instrumentalist, right? He played mm-hmm. drums, keyboard, the clav. Whatever uh, he wanted. Harmonica. Yeah. He's also, got that giant gold harmonica. Also taught the Foot world about sampling. He literally taught, like, we talk about rap music. He, yeah. Like that episode on, of the Cosby, on the Cosby Show. Cosby show. Yeah. Jamming on the one. But, like, that's how a lot of producers <laughs> learned how to produce. They, that's why you learned what a sampler was. That's awesome. Isn't that crazy? That's anyway. amazing. So the first album in the run, the genius run of Stevie Wonder's Talking Book from 1972. The first song is You Are the Sunshine of My Life. The first song. All right. And the whole point of this is just to give you a context. I'm not going to name every song on here, but Superstition is on this album. Mm. Um, I believe When I Fall in Love, It Will Be Forever is on oh, this man. album. Great tune. Um, but you, know, you know, Art Garfunkel did a version of that? Did not know that. Um, not, as, not as good. So Intervisions, um, just banger. 1973. So again, He's already dropped Superstition a year previous and is back just like, just kidding. I'm here. It's Stevie <laughs> again. Uh, this album contains, now Inner Visions, 1973, contains Living for the City, mm. Hits, Higher Ground, Hit. I mean, Don't You Worry About a Thing. Like, all of these songs are songs that are fundamental pieces of your existence to this point. You didn't realize it, though. Yeah, it's hard. It's, these are songs that it's hard to imagine a time when they didn't exist. They yeah. just feel like they've always been there. I, like, I, we will yeah. rock you. Can you imagine yeah. going to any yeah. any sporting event before that? <laughs> exactly. You're just like, what, what were y'all doing before? <laughs> what, did you, what did you chant? How did you know people would get rocked? Yeah, um, right. Who was going to rock you? Yeah, followed immediately. The, the smooth play was the <clears throat> we will rock you into we are the champions. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. I mean, that was the natural progress. Yeah. That's how they were on the album, right. right? Yeah. Okay. So then, Songs in the Key of Life. I'm sorry, fulfilling this first finale, I'm it's hard for me to say. But this one, I don't think is as, like, I love it, but I, I know some people don't love it as much. But this is the one with Boogie on Reggae Woman. Oh, great tune. Smile Please Creep In. I love that song. Um, you know, this is, but again, the whole point of this is to show the growth and development. Because remember, this is his third album in three years. So then he takes a break. All right. Takes 1975 off. Well, not off because he was you know, touring and stuff, but Songs of the Key of Life in 1976, which I believe is not only the my favorite, but it's also one of the best albums ever recorded in the history of America. And I say that with that full is, hyperbole. No, no joke. Either. Yeah, I'm, I'm very serious about that. All right, so this is the one with Sir Duke. Mm. Um, I Wish, Knocks Me Off My Feet. Those three songs are in a row. Sir Duke, I wish, and knocks me on my feet. You're just like, oh, okay, so you're really good at this. And then Pastime Paradise, which a lot of you under the age of 30 may know is a song sampled in Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise. If you don't listen to Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise, turn on your classic rap station in your neighborhood, you will hear it probably. Or Weird Al's Amish Paradise. Yep, same. Same sample. It keeps going, though, because Isn't She Lovely is on this album, As is on this album, Ebony Eyes. just unprecedented greatness. Um, well, and Sir Duke is an awesome tune, and it's also like tying. Let's tying it all in together with Duke yeah. Ellington, you know. And it's that big sound. It's very cool. And please be understand, like yes, and legit jazz, like, legit like just yeah. it's the history of black music. And so the next album, nineteen seventy nine, is Journey Through the Secret Life of Plants, which I think people kind of refer to. It is a concept album, but literally it's just like instrumentals. 
Hmm. And just him doing his thing and just I think you should listen to it, especially if you're a young musician who's just trying to learn about music. Just listen to it because I think you will get your expectations challenged and you will come out of the other side a better person. Finally, the genius run for me ends in 1980 with Hotter Than July. Now, I would say that a lot of people will give this the lowest ranking out of all of these albums. I can understand why they would say that, but you have to think contextually. So this album has All I Do. It has Master Blaster and it has the Black Happy Birthday. Now, people might not, what, not understand what I'm saying when I say the Black Happy Birthday. You see, Stevie Wonder, the last song on this album is called Happy Birthday. And you're saying to yourself, okay, so Stevie Wonder just re-recorded Happy Birthday. No. Stevie Wonder made a new version of Happy Birthday. And that version of Happy Birthday has been sung in black households since it came out in 1980. I, I was born in 1985. I genuinely didn't understand that there weren't, that everybody didn't know that there were two happy birthdays. <laughs> There's more than two. There's more than two. Those are the two that I grew up with. You get the original one and then they go right into, hey, have you heard happy birthday? I don't think I have heard. I'm going to drop happy, yes. I'm going to drop the black happy birthday in, or at least the, it's the outro. It's the, the outro. outro. And we'll, you know what? That'll be our song of the week. We'll dedicate it to America. <laughs> <laughs> because Stevie Wonder is one of the greatest living Americans. So my third and final recommendation for this week is something you can you can accomplish this in an afternoon. Listen to all six records in Stevie Wonder's Genius Period. Just well, run well, through one a day, one a day. Sp- for the holiday weekend. Yeah. I mean, what more American thing is there to do? I mean, hotter than July is it is July, so I feel like it's hot outside. That one, I mean, just get it done. But listen to all six of those albums. Your life will be better by the time you finish them. Um, and that's the last recommendation I have. What about you? That's a great recommendation. Yep. Thank you. Um, I am going to talk about a book that I am reading. Uh, this is a book called The Beneficiary by Jenny Scott. It's about the impact of the choices made by the author's great-grandparents on uh, future generations. So great. her great-grandfather uh, was a very wealthy industrialist of mm-hmm. the robber baron era. Oh, wow. Uh, in Philadelphia, uh, which is where I'm from. There's okay. a Philadelphia connection here. Um, and s- uh, established an estate called Ardrisan okay. uh, out in Radnor, Villanova. Uh, oh, this Villanova. is back, okay. when, back yeah. when Villanova was two words. This is how long ago it shout was. Out to, shout out to Coach Jay Wright. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm, that's a, uh, yes. Jerry Wright, I'm sure. <laughs> Jay Wright. Co- the figures coach, into this. The summer. coach of Villanova basketball. Ah, the Wildcats. The Wildcats. Go Cats. Yes. Uh, so he had an estate on the main line, uh, that was 800 acres plus. Which well, is, so for folks who don't know what the main line is, what is the main line? The main line is a railroad line, uh, that became that as the, as the railroad outside of Philadelphia sold off pieces of property that were adjacent to its right of way, that area became the prototype of, uh, affluent suburbia. Mm. So that's what the money is. Um, yeah. So gotcha. so affluent Philadelphians went to the main line to establish their, their So homes. you're from Philly? I'm from Philly, but not from the main line. Have you listened to Meek Mill before? Meek Mill. Sounds to Meek Mill? familiar. Yeah. You should, okay. I'm going to. Okay, yeah. There's an album I want you to hear. Awesome. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. great. All right. Uh, so the the book is about uh, how that estate came to me, came mm-hmm. to be, what choices were made there, how uh, land ownership has affected the multiple generations. Right. And for me, it's kind of the, the type of thing where you see these giant estates outside of Philadelphia and it's like, well, who lives there? Right. What's that like? Um, and what it's like is reading this book is like, 
you know, we talk about income inequality and and the you know maybe the abstract effects of it, right? And, right? Or maybe what it's like for somebody on the low end. But this is literally just a guide for like basically what not to do. <laughs> oh, it's like a don'ts. Um, and it's it's very interesting to read this from the point of view of one of the heirs of of these choices. Okay, so, yeah, I'm. Ha- to me, I knew I was into this book because I had to, I read a hundred pages of it, had to return it to the library, mm-hmm. couldn't get it back because it was on hold, and then bought it, which has never I happened before. That. You had to so make, like, make the pictures. I respect. That. I am into this book. It it talks. It's very well written. Uh, Jenny Scott is a journalist um, and won a Pulitzer Prize with the New York Times. But the recommendation is The Beneficiary by Jenny Scott. Nice. Okay, folks. This has been a very special 4th of July weekend recommendation edition of Office Hours. We appreciate your time as always. We hope you have a safe and healthy 4th of July weekend with your loved ones. Don't blow your damn arm off. Peace. Office Hours with Ernest Wilkins was recorded live at Mass in the greatest city in the world, Chicago, USA.